Good morning. Thank you for being in worship today. I want to tell you about a man that came to his pastor. You know, people come to the pastor from time to time needing help with things. And and this man came to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I'm really struggling and I got two terrible sins in my life. I just can't seem to conquer them. And I just wonder, Pastor, could you possibly help me? And so the pastor said, oh, I'll do my best. said, what are the sins that you seem to be struggling with? He said, well, Pastor, the first one is that, first sin is that I, I just kind of sleep in every day. I, I, I just can't get up. I, every day I, I, I just struggle to get out of bed. I just lay around all day long. The pastor said, okay, what's the second sin? He said, well, the second one is I love fried chicken. And said, I'm, I'm, Pastor, I just have a passion for fried chicken. I cannot drive past a KFC without stopping. I mean, I could eat fried chicken every day. But it just seems like, Pastor, all I do is sleep in and eat fried chicken. And I just can't overcome these sins. Can you help me? The pastor put his hand on his shoulder. He said, Son, you're not sinning. You're called to preach. Sometimes we all need somebody to help us, don't we? To define what we do best. What if there was a way that you could do that? What if there was a way that you had somebody who could help you understand what you do best? What if there was a way to really understand God's purpose for your life? Or maybe I say it another way. What if God has something He wants you to do? And not just the other people that are here. What if God's got something He wants you to do? Now, a lot of times what we focus on is what God wants us to know. And there are, there are a lot of things that God wants us to know. And I'm grateful for God's Word and lots of things He's teaching us and things He wants us to know. But there's also something God wants you to do. I'm convinced of that. Regardless of how long you've known the Lord, or, or how old, or how young you may be, there is something that you do best. There is something that God wants you to do. And what I found after 33 years of studying my Bible and 33 years of pastoring, I found that, that every Christian has something that God wants them to do, but not every Christian knows what that is. And they don't even understand how to find out. We're a lot like this flower that I bought for Lisa yesterday. Uh, I, I, I'm just kind of a romantic kind of guy. You know, I thought, I thought she needed a flower for the fall, and I'm just kind of a romantic kind of guy. Plus, I needed a sermon illustration. So, I, <laughs> so that's really the reason that I got it for. But uh, have you ever bought a flower, maybe like this one, and it looks good in the store, and you bring it home, and you set it out, and within a few days, it withers and almost dies? You ever, you ever done that? You do it all the time. And you're tempted to go back and get another flower because you want to take it back and tell them that, that you got a bad plant. Right? It's not your fault. you got a bad plant. But have you ever noticed that in every flower that you buy, every plant that you buy, there's a little tag that comes with it. And that tag tells you what this flower needs to flourish. See, some flowers love the sunshine and some flowers prefer the shade. Some flowers need a lot of water and some flowers need just a little bit of water. 
And so they always send you this tag to help you understand, here's what you need to do to make sure that this flower flourishes. It's kind of fascinating when you think about it that not all plants are designed alike. A, a cactus, I could have bought her a cactus, that would have been really romantic. Uh, a, a cactus is going to be very different than this. This, this. I think this is a mom, is that right? Okay, I don't even know what I bought, I just thought it looked good. But a cactus is going to be very different from a mom. You're going to take care of it differently. Watch this, it's designed differently. Now, who designed it that way? Did Walmart design it that way? No, it's their tag. God did. God designed this flower in a particular way, and so it needs a certain amount of sunshine, a certain amount of water. And it's amazing to me that it's not that you have sometimes bad flowers, but really perhaps you've placed it in the wrong place. If you know how a plant is designed to flourish... If, if you understand the environment that plant needs to be in, then you can place the plant in the proper environment and expect that plant to flourish. I wish we could learn that lesson in church. What if you were designed by the sovereign God of this world, the same God who designed this flower, what if the same God who designed this flower designed you in a similar fashion? What if God designed you with a purpose in mind? And when you were saved, He gifted you to accomplish that purpose. And He wants you to be placed in His family at just a certain place so that you can serve Him with the purpose He created you for. Uh, that's why I'm so thankful for 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul addresses. Would you open God's Word with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> Someone said the failure of the church is so often that we help people discover Christ, but we don't help them discover what Christ wants them to do. Well, that's a pretty good statement. Lots of times we help people discover Christ, but we don't help them discover what Christ wants them to do. And I think that's an accurate statement. That's why on Wednesday nights, we're going to be studying about what we're about to read about. I'm just going to introduce it to you today. And then on Wednesday nights, we're going to be studying spiritual gifts. How has God designed you? He designed this plant. He designed this plant with a certain need for light and a certain need for water, etc. He designed the intricate details of this plant, and it is beautiful because he designed it. And what we're going to be studying on Wednesday nights is something called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is simply determining what it is that you do best. How has God designed you to, to function and to serve? Now, you may or may not know, but that's uh, when I did my doctoral work, I did my doctoral work in spiritual gifts. It doesn't mean I know it all. It means I've studied a lot. And I've got a lot of things I'm excited to share with you on Wednesday nights, helping you to define what you do best. Now remember this, see if this makes sense to you. His purpose for your life ought to be your mission. Does that make sense to anybody? That if God designed you in a certain way, that His purpose for your life ought to be your mission. So when you begin to understand how God created you, then you can understand better how to serve Him. 
when you begin to, to grasp how God designed you, then you can better understand how you can serve Him. And so Paul opens the, this topic in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1, with these words. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. Now the reason he begins the topic this way is because apparently the church at Corinth had written Paul a letter prior to this letter. So Paul, we've got a lot of questions. Could you help us with, with some things? Could you explain this to us? Could you explain that to us? And all those kind of things. And one of the things apparently that they had asked Paul about was, we've heard you talk about spiritual gifts. We've heard other people mention spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. Paul, could you explain to us, that's something we're interested in, uh, could you explain to us and to our church what this thing of spiritual gifts is all about? And so Paul, when he writes this, this letter we call 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing some of the issues that were raised in their letter to him. And that's why he begins the letter the way, or this part of the letter the way he does. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I I know you've written me about them, so let me answer your questions. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be, what's that next word? Isn't that strange? (laughs) He says, hey, you ask about spiritual gifts, and I don't want you to be ignorant. Sounds like something you'd hear in East Tennessee. Bunch of ignorant people. Paul said, I want you to be a bunch of ignorant people. What's he talking about here? Well, the word ignorant simply means unaware or uninformed. That's really what he's talking about. Paul said, now about spiritual gifts, I I want to make sure you're not unaware. I want to make sure you're not uninformed. This is something that's very important. And so I need you to pay close attention. That's what Paul was saying. So it's important to define what you do best. That's my first point. It's important for us to define what you do best. Paul said it that way. I I want you to pay close attention. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. You see, when Christ entered our lives, he saved us, and he he didn't intend for us to sit on the church pew until the next bus to heaven comes by. Paul says, God's got something special for you. He's got something in store for you. He has unique, look at my flower, he has uniquely designed you. And I want you to understand how God has uniquely designed each one of you. Now about spiritual gifts. As your pastor, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be ignorant of what this is all about. Let me explain it to you this way. Would you take just a moment and look at your hand your hand is uniquely designed by God. It's, it's designed in a very amazing way. I did a little research this week studying hands. we got a lot of doctors and nurses in our church, and so I want to make sure that I said this correctly. And so I did a little research. I found out that there are... Well, let me ask you. Do you know how many bones are in your hand? 27 bones in your hand. 27 bones. And 25 of them hurt, don't they? If you've got rheumatoid arthritis like I do, 25 of them hurt. 27 bones in your hand. Let's, let's kind of count them. I'll, I'll help you uh, with your uh, medical degree here for just a moment. You've got four bones in each finger. Here, here they are. One, two, three, and then that fourth one. All right, so one, two, and three are easy. And then you've got this long fourth one. And so I've got four fingers with four bones. That's 16 bones in my fingers. My thumb has three bones in it. One, two, three. Your thumb does too, by the way. So, so that's 16, and that's three. That's how many? 19. There are eight bones in your wrist. 
So that's how many? You better work on your math. 19 and 8, 27 bones. Uniquely designed. Brought together to function as a hand. Now, you also have feet. Don't take your shoes off. But you, do, 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 you know how many bones, do you know how many bones you have in your feet? It's very similar to your hand. You've got 26 bones. I mean, sorry. Yeah, 26 bones in your feet. 26 bones in your feet. Now, have you ever seen anybody that can walk on their hands? You know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm not going to do it for you, but you just you go down like that and you throw your feet up, and some people have the ability to actually walk on their hands. They probably can't walk very far, but they can walk on their hands. Have you ever seen anybody that can pick up something with their toes? My daughter Lauren has that gift. We were at the beach a week or so ago, and we were playing some kind of card game, and one fell on the floor, and Lauren just reached over with her toe and picked it up and handed it to her husband. He had never seen that before. His eyes got really big, and he says, did you see what she just did? Like, dude, she's been doing that her whole life, you know? She's she got fingers for toes. She can just pick it up and, and hand it to you. So it is possible. Here's my point. It's possible to walk on your feet. I'm not walk on your feet. It's possible. <laughs> you can give it a try sometime. It is possible to walk on your hands, and it is possible to pick up something with your toes. That's not the way they're designed. It's possible to do it. But if you use your hand the way it's designed to be used, it's pretty amazing what your hand could do. And if you use your feet the way they're designed to be used, it's pretty amazing what those 26 bones together can do. And that's the whole purpose behind spiritual gifts, that we all are part, the Bible is going to show us, we're all part of this thing called the body of Christ. Uniquely designed by Him to function in a particular way for His glory and His will. Now, let me give you a little working definition of spiritual gifts so that you're not confused, and we'll dig deeper into this on Wednesday nights. Spiritual gifts are basically divine enablements given by the Spirit of God to help you live your life for Jesus. Divine enablements. It's something the Holy Spirit of God enables you to do so that you can live your life for Jesus. And for every believer, hear this, for every believer, every person who has placed their faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to, res to reside within you, to live in you, and when He comes to live within you, He also equips you to do something for God. Let me show you this in Scripture. Look with me at the text. <clears throat> verse 7, chapter 12, verse 7. Now to each one, would you say each one? Would that include you? If you know Christ, it would. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. You see this? The role of the Holy Spirit in this whole thing called spiritual gifts. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The source of the gifts that we have, the Bible says, is the Holy Spirit of God. Jump up to verse 4. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but watch this, but the same Spirit. In other words, we're not all a hand, we're not all a foot. There are different kinds of gifts, different abilities that the Spirit gives us. He says, but it's the same Spirit behind all of it. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And again, we'll dig deeper into that on Wednesday nights. Look, uh, look with me in verse 8 through 11 and just notice how he keeps talking about the Holy Spirit in these verses. Verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit... 
the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. That is, this is something, a divine enablement given to you by the Spirit of God. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. Spiritual gifts are given to us, divine enablements given to us by God's Spirit. Now let me tell you something, spiritual gifts are different from natural talents. Some of you have great natural talents. Maybe you have the ability to sing. Is that a spiritual gift? No, it's a natural talent. You have the ability to hit, hit a golf ball a mile. Is that a spiritual gift? No, it's a natural talent. You, you, you have the ability to to, to run and be fast when you're running. Is that a spiritual gift? No. no. It's a natural talent. Even lost people have natural talents, right? I mean, you can look on, on the sports page and see all kinds of examples of men and women who are I- exceptional at golf or exceptional at football. They're exceptional at racing. They're, they're setting all kinds of records. They, I mean, and, and you don't have to be a Christian to do these things. You don't have to be a follower of Christ. They just have this natural gift, this natural ability that they've developed. Those are natural talents. That's not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are something the Spirit of God enables you to do for the kingdom of God. Hear that again. Spiritual gifts are something the Spirit of God enables you to do for the kingdom of God. Therefore, it is important that we find out what it is we're to do. Now, point number two is this. Defining what you do best is different from what others may do. In other words, what you do is going to be a little bit different, maybe far different from what the person next to you is going to do. And sometimes we look at one another and say, well, you know what, I think she should do so-and-so. I think he should do so-and-so. And we become judge and jury about how they should live their life and what they should do for the kingdom of God. And we judge them because of what they're not doing. But the Spirit of God, when you define what you do best, you need to realize it may be different, it probably will be different from what others do. Let me show you this in the text. Look at the text with me. It's pretty incredible when you look at the diversity that God has in the kingdom. Uh, Going back to chapter 12, verses 4 through 6 again. He says there's different kinds of gifts. We're not all the same. We do have the same spirit, he said. And there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. What I've learned over the years that I've been pastor is that God loves variety. We're all different, and we're different not only in our personalities and our temperament, not only different in our backgrounds, but we're different in the gifts that God has given us, and even in how we use those gifts for the kingdom. God is a God of variety. I mean, for example, just look at the diversity of animals. I did a little research this week, and I found out, this blows my mind, I can't get my mind around it, But according to the latest scientific study, it is estimated, nobody knows for sure, but it is estimated there are 8.7 million different species of animals on planet Earth. 8.7 million. My goodness, it's just hard to imagine how that is even possible. 6.5 million on the land and 2.5 million in the ocean. Speaking of oceans, I looked up, you know how many different species of sharks there are? 
I mean, how many, did you go to the, to the beach this, this year, this summer, and, and, you know, you were staying away from the sharks, or, or you went and caught a shark, you know? You, just, you know how many sharks are in the ocean? I, well, I don't know how many sharks are in the oceans, but do you know how many species, how many different kinds of sharks there are? 440 different sharks. Uh, you know, if I were God, I'd think, okay, there's one. That's a, that's, that's a shark. We don't need more than one, more than one type at least. That's a shark. But God loves variety, and he created 440 different kinds of sharks. God loves variety. Every snowflake is different. Every fingerprint is different. God loves variety. What makes us think that everybody has to be the same in the church when God loves variety? And so he tells us in verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12, he says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of, watch this, of many parts. And though all of its parts are many, there's that word again, they form one body, so it is with Christ. Two times in that one verse, he says there are many parts. He uses that word twice. There are many parts. He, God loves to see variety in the body of Christ. And so he gives some the gift of teaching to others. He'll give the gift of helping or the gift of giving or the gift of administration or the gift of showing mercy. Let me show you in verse 14 what he says. Now the body is, is not made up of one part, but many. There's all kinds of different parts to the body of Christ. And we don't all have the same gift. And those who do have the same gift will use that gift differently. For example, you may have the gift of evangelism. And you may use your gift of evangelism on one-on-one witnessing and be very effective in the way God has designed you. Uh, Another person could use that same gift of evangelism to preach crusades to to crowds of people. So it's the same gift but used in different ways. Now, why am I taking so much time to talk about that aspect? Because you need to understand and I need to understand that when we define what we do best it may not be the same as what others do and that's okay right that's okay number three defining what we do best enables the body of Christ to help others look in chapter 12 verse 7 how he states this now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for making you look good not what it says now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for say it with me the common good in other words it's not for your individual glory God doesn't give you a spiritual gift so you can brag and boast about what you're able to do God gives you spiritual gifts for the benefit of others so as we exercise our gifts we're ministering to other saints in the church and we're ministering to those outside the family of faith for example If you have the spiritual gift of teaching, guess what? You teach so others can learn. If you have the gift of service, you're meeting the needs of others. If you have the pastor-shepherd gift, you're caring for others. If you have the gift of exhortation, you're encouraging others. If you have the gift of giving, you're financially assisting others. Spiritual gifts are not for your benefit. Spiritual Spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others. Please understand how important this is. If you think about it for a moment, you'll realize that you are uniquely qualified to function within the body of Christ. And you are desperately needed to function. Look at verse 27. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Now he says, now you are 
the body of Christ. And then as if you, you were thinking, well, others, but not me, he says, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you, you have a role to play. Each one of you, you are the body of Christ on earth. And each one of you, every one of you, has a place in what God's doing. Which brings me to the fourth and final point, and that's this. Defining what you do best will help clarify God's will for your life. Paul reminds us in verse 11 that gifts are sovereignly given. We've read the verse, but it won't hurt to read it again. All of these are the work of the same Spirit, and watch this. He gives them to each one, watch this, just as He determines. I've, I've taught spiritual gifts for many years now and in different settings, and almost every time I teach it, and probably it will happen I'm teaching it on Wednesday nights, September and October. More than likely, during that class, somebody's going to come to me and say, Pastor, I understand now kind of how I'm designed. I understand how God's gifted me. But I don't like this one. I'd like to get another one. You know? You ever been, you've been there, perhaps? So, you know, why, why did God give me this one? I, I want God to give me another one. Let me... Let me Try to relate it to you this way. I'm five foot eleven. I really would like to be six one. But God never asked me how tall I wanted to be. I, I had no input on that. I had no he didn't say how how tall would you like to be, Keith? He never asked me one time. I have no input on that whatsoever. God determined that. It's the same with spiritual gifts. He sovereignly determines the gifts he will give us. And rather than say, I don't like this one, what if you said, now I get who I am. Now I'm understanding how God's designed me. Now I'm beginning to get a picture of what I could do for the kingdom. Rather than thinking about what you don't have, I don't have that gift. I wish God would give me that gift. No, look at it again just to make sure you get it. He says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And verse 18, jump up to verse 18, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Does God have a purpose for your life? Yes. And he has designed you, look at my flower, he has uniquely designed you to do something for the kingdom. Uniquely designed you. You're needed because God has created you with a purpose in mind and nobody can use your gift. Let's say you, you have the gift of serving. Oh, there will be other people who will serve, absolutely. But nobody can serve the way you would serve. Nobody can use your gift. You see, God doesn't just have some things He wants you to know. God has something or some things He wants you to do. You're created that way. When you came to faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit of God came to live within you, the Spirit of God equipped you, enabled you to do something for the kingdom. And you may sit there and say, I've been a Christian for years. I don't know, I, I don't know what my gift is and I've been fine. Yes, you've been fine. And God's in heaven saying, but 
I had so much more I wanted you to do. I designed you for a purpose. Don't you want to know what that is? Spiritual gifts are simply what you do best. Wouldn't it be good to figure out what you do best so you could serve God and give Him your very best? So on Wednesday nights, that's what we're going to be talking about in September and October. But let me tell you about another gift. The greatest gift of all is not a spiritual gift. The greatest gift of all is the gift before that one, and that is the gift of salvation. Isn't that right? The greatest gift of all is when Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins in your place because you had no way of making your life right with God. If you've ever tried to stop sinning, you recognize that is a futile effort. I mean, you might stop something, you might stop a bad habit, but you're not going to stop sinning. You might stop this sin, but guess what? You're going to start a new one. Because we're sinners by nature. And we're sinners by choice. And we have no way of being made right with the Holy God. At least not on our own. God in His mercy and God in His love said, I'm sending my Son, the perfect, holy, sinless Jesus, to die on the cross, to die in your place, and to experience the wrath you deserve to experience. I'm going to punish Him for your sins on the cross. I'll punish Him for your sins. And salvation is when you by faith say, God, I believe that. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he died in my place. And he died for my sin. And and I believe you brought him up out of the grave. And you can give me new life, just like you gave him new life. And so by faith, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me for my sin. Make me a new person. And that is the greatest gift of all. The gift of salvation. That's the first gift, the biggest gift. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever trusted Christ? as your Lord and your Savior. You can do that today. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we'll sing that final song. That's your invitation to put your faith in Christ. You see, before you can ever experience spiritual gifts, the divine enablements to do something for God, you have to have the Spirit of God live in you. And that's when you trust Christ as Savior. The Bible says when you open your heart, that that's when God's Holy Spirit comes to live in you. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give you an opportunity in this time of invitation to trust Christ as your Savior. Or if you're a Christian, uh, to come to this altar for whatever need you may have. We're here to help you or you, you can just come and pray. But Father, I thank you that you love us and you died for us. And you offer to us not just gifts of enablements to do something for the kingdom, but but. You offer us the greatest gift of all, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation. I, I just pray over this crowd, God, if, if, if anybody doesn't know your Savior, that they would today say, yes, I now believe and now trust Jesus, what he did on the cross. I'm placing my faith and my life in God's hands. I pray somebody, Lord, will make that decision. And thank you, Lord, that you've designed us uniquely to serve you. Help us to learn what that means in the days ahead. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.